Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Blank Green Canvas podcast. I am your host, Noah Villaverde, and joining me this week is my old friend, Alan Gunn. How are you doing today, Alan? I am doing okay. I'm trying to survive, you know, the way it is. I don't know. Oh, really? How was your weekend? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rusty on these things. <laughs> right. How was your weekend, man? Uh, weekend was uh, weekend was good. So Godzilla, obviously, twice. So I have thoughts. Right. Uh, work, just catching right. up on sleep and whatnot. Yeah, you work at the Denny's. By the way, guys, if you don't know this, Alan works at the Denny's right across from Disneyland. And if you don't know, Disneyland opened a special little thing uh, right across the street. How are those crowds <laughs> dealing with um, all the Galaxy's Edge people? It's weird. It's dead. Like, and it's weird. Really? I think the park's the same way where, like, I think everybody just assumes, oh, it's Star Wars, you know, it's just going to be crazy. Like, whenever, because I like to keep an eye on, like, how the park's doing. Like, I've seen lines be really short over there, so I guess people just are like, okay, it's the Star Wars, uh, screw it, we're just going to stay home. Uh, but yeah, Denny's has been real slow, so I thought I was going to get trampled, but we seem to be doing okay. Yeah, I think it's because, for one, if you don't know, uh, me and Alan actually are big uh, Disney Parks fans, particularly Disneyland. Uh, and uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, for the first month, they're only doing it uh, via re- reservation periods. So uh, you have to reserve a four-hour window in which, if you're in the park, you can attend. So if you're in the park and you don't have a reservation, you can't go for like the first month. That's what I'm hearing. Which is interesting, though, because one of the big rides isn't even open yet for it, and that'll open later this year. Uh, yeah, um, so yeah, it's, it, yeah, and I think, yeah, the reservation system is what's kind of been keeping some sort of order over there, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, wait till that month ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be something. So you've had an interesting weekend, definitely just working, getting a chance to see Godzilla twice, which I actually did as well. I got a chance to see it twice as well, and, um, I just got back, you know, like, I'm just kind of relaxing at the moment, got back from a workout, it's been a few days, I'm trying to relax uh, from there, enjoying my cup of coffee at this late of an hour, like almost 7.30, because I'm a, an addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like it's hard not to. When, like, I, I swear I drink more coffee, black coffee these days, than water. It's kind of scary. I should probably stop. <laughs> the reason why you tuned, on, tuned in <laughs> to this podcast is because we are going to be discussing the newest film that came out this weekend, Godzilla. King of the Monsters. Now, before we talk about the film itself, we are actually going to discuss uh, the franchise as a whole. And the reason why I have Alan here with me today is because he is probably the biggest Godzilla fanatic that I know. So I just wanted to ask Alan, what is your history with the Godzilla franchise? Well, it's funny. I guess Godzilla is just one of those things. It's hard to like, I can't really tell the story of like, oh, here's the very first time I watched the Godzilla movie. It's one of those things that was always there. I think the closest thing I can recall, because my dad loves, like, old sci-fi, so I think that was just kind of the bridge. As far as I know, I know there's a set of, like, when I was five or six, my dad picked up this set of, like, a collection of a bunch of the old Godzilla movies, like, and to be fair, it was, like, the American edits, because, you know, they always, because, you know, whenever people joke about, like, Godzilla movies and, like, those crappy American dubs, this is what I'm talking about, you know, the, the weird English dubs, a lot of edited scenes, so it's not, like, the pure thing, but it was, like, a lot of classic ones, so you had the original... Technically Godzilla, but it was Godzilla King of the Monsters, the American re-edit. Uh, they had, like, Mothra and Rodan and, like, some of the classic ones, like, oh, here's the one where he's fighting Ghidorah or whatever. So some of those. I think that's where it started. And I think, aside from that, it was really just, it was just kind of a thing. Like, my dad just kind of picked up, like, oh, I think my, I think he likes Godzilla. I'll just get him more Godzilla movies. And then 
it just kind of gradually went from there. So, I, yeah, I think for me, Godzilla's really kind of always been there. That's cool. So, obviously, your favorite Godzilla movie is the Roland Emmerich film with Matthew Broderick, I'm assuming. <sighs> you got it. You got it. Don't, don't bring him into my... That... Let's... Let's... I was having a good time, but you had to bring that. <laughs> Sorry, up. like I had to, um, but like you know, you know, I'll say this much: I loved that movie as a kid. I really did. I thought it was a fun movie, but yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I just wanted to bring this up because um, Alan has definitely seen more Godzilla films than I have. The only films I have seen was the original classic one, the ori- the original film from Toho, because I blind bought the Criterion a couple years back. It's a beautiful set, by the way, and uh, I really dug that because it gave me an introduction to like. Uh, the history of Godzilla and, you know, um, more of those kaiju stories. And then um, I also saw that Roland Emmerich film a couple years back. I don't remember it that well. I just remember that the design was definitely not Godzilla. And uh, besides that, the other ones I've seen were these last two that we're about to um, discuss in a moment. So uh, with that in mind, also, I just wanted to ask, by the way, what are some of your favorite obscure Godzilla films that a lot of people probably aren't aware of unless you're a big fan? Um, Well, I mean... When, like, whenever people say, like, what's your favorite Godzilla, I think even the fans will say, like, the go-to is the original. Like, like that's the classic one that's, as a film, that's probably, like, the best as far as, like, oh, it's the most dramatic, it's the most thematically, you know, it has a lot to say. Um, but it's funny, because, like, people always associate, like, in kind of, I guess, academic circles, if you want to put it that way, people always, like, associate Godzilla with, oh, it's this, it's not just monsters fighting, it's this very, uh... It's about nuclear war and the, the, the cost of war and the, the terrors, the, you know, all that. And that's very true. That's really just kind of the first movie. Like, I think very quickly you'll see that the movies very quickly went to, like, ah, yeah, screw it, it's fun. Uh, so I think definitely during the 60s, you definitely see that pivot to, like, some of the more fun stuff. And then even, like, in the 80s and 90s, when you went a little darker, it, they kept a little bit of that darkness, but it was definitely, like, it was, it, like... At the end of the day, Godzilla is a very fun thing. But as far as some of my personal favorites that I would recommend to, like, a, uh, a newbie, as it were. Um, I mean, I, I again, I'm a sucker for, like, the old 60s, like, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Mothra versus Godzilla. Like, your basic smash-em-ups. Uh, Destroy All Monsters. It's funny. Destroy All Monsters, which I believe, quote me if I'm wrong, is 1968, uh, was originally, like, going to be their last one for the time. And so that's the one where, like, they threw all their chips in, so that's the one where at the time it was like, here's everybody who's ever been in a Godzilla movie. It's Godzilla and Mothra and Rodan and King Ghidorah and everybody beating the crap out of each other. So that's a favorite of some people's. Um, I really enjoy that one. It's kind of fitting that the one we just saw brings all those monsters together, you know, so. In fact, just before it's pretty fitting that's the, movie, the I case. showed my friends a little bit of uh, 1964's Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, which is the first one that had Ghidorah and also had Godzilla Mothra and Rodan, so kind of the classic lineup right there. Um, as far as some other favorites of mine, um, I really like, um, I forget, oh, I'm blanking on the air, but there's a more recent one called, and this is one I'm going to recommend just on the title alone, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack. Um, it's very, it's kind of makes some changes with the mythology, but it's very, like, weird. That sounds like the best movie ever made. It's, it's really crazy. Um, but yeah, it's like everybody, and also this dude Baragon, but nobody cares about Baragon. Uh, but it's very fun, like it plays with mythology, and uh, Godzilla's like legitimately like the scariest he's been, and it's it's really fun and really crazy. 
Um, but yeah, there is like a decent range of like, yes, these are more somber, kind of dramatic ones like the original Godzilla. And, but then there's the really crazy ones where it goes full sci-fi. And yeah, there's some clunkers, but, um, and yeah, you know, it, it really depends on your taste. Again, I think in a way there is kind of a Godzilla movie for everybody, even though it is kind of a niche thing. But I think there's one or two that I think some people would be like, oh, you know what? This one is actually pretty fun. Yeah, I definitely want to check out all the original classics. A lot of the, even if they're a little campier as they go on, there's just something about like um, the nature of these giant monster movies in which, just come on, how cool is it to see just giant monsters fighting? I'm pretty glad that uh, uh, the giant monster movie is kind of making a slow but sure comeback, you know, with um, Godzilla, yeah, even to another extent, the Pacific Rim franchise, and of course, Kong, which we'll get into a little later on in this podcast. But before we get into um, King of the Monsters itself, let's briefly discuss um, the 2014 film by Gareth Edwards. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say, like, when I first saw that film, it's weird thinking when I saw it, like, I was about to graduate high school. That was five years ago. <laughs> and uh, I'm just celebrating graduating college, you know, right now, even though I still have the fall coming up to finish up. But um, just looking back, thinking of it, I, I didn't get a chance to revisit it, unfortunately. But um, the more I think about that film, I was initially disappointed by it because I was one of those people that thought, oh man, they didn't show enough Godzilla and everything else. But um, when I think back to that film, I think the way that um, it teases us is really expertly done, you know? And although I wish Brian Cranston was there longer because we could always use more Brian Cranston in our lives, uh, I just found the way it made the scale of like this larger than life figure and uh, the way like the earth was reacting to it. I found that pretty, uh, in, re in retrospect, pretty interesting to see. And I thought Gareth Edwards did a pretty good job with that film in particular. What did you think about that film from Gareth Edwards? You know, it's funny. I'm actually a big fan of the 2014 movie. I know it kind of, I guess the way to put it, uh, you know, some people were kind of turned off by it. Some people really liked it, but some people didn't. Again, some people were kind of turned off by that more, kind of more teasy approach. You know, we're going to hold back on Godzilla. Um, I personally really like that approach. I think, again, I think Edwards shot the hell out of that movie. I think it's a beautiful movie, like the scale. Oh, it's a beautifully shot film. I think it's just crazy, like good looking. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, some of the characters are a little thin, but, you know, par for the course. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely... Again, we're talking. I'm talking about how much I love some of the crazier, more campier movies. I think that was definitely that definitely felt like the modern, kind of the modern version of the '54 film. Maybe not quite as nuclear and apocalyptic and dark, but definitely that level of like, okay, we're gonna bring it back, take it a bit more seriously, which I was definitely fine with, especially since, as far as I'm concerned, like that payoff at the end was like, oh, you wanted Godzilla, okay, here you go, and they gave you like everything you want. So, you know, so I was fine with that. Yeah, visually, especially that final climax, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw it in IMAX. Yeah, especially that final climax when he when he breathes, you know? Like, I just found that to be very, like, like it's just, it's so visually pleasing to the eye in a lot of ways. And sure, we're saying this about giant monsters killing each other, but uh, it really is visually pleasing the way they used, like, colors and lighting and it really did pay fan service in that way in showing the powers that he could exhibit, you know. Even as a novice Godzilla viewer like myself, I found I find that pretty interesting. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this about the original um, 2014, original, whatever. But uh, those trailers are probably some of my favorite trailers of this decade, of that 2014 film. Like, this is something, I guess, I guess we talk about this one too, like, all, even, I'll even say the 98 movie, like, all of them have, like, really good marketing. Sorry, I guess there's people talking... 
next to me. Okay, uh, I'll try to speak up so they can't they we can't pick them up. It's um, but it's funny. Like I think all the Godzilla movies. I'll even say the '98 have really good marketing, mainly because Godzilla, in a way, is just easy to market because everybody knows Godzilla, so it's easy to say, "Oh, there's a giant monster." Um, but yeah, that 2014 movie had some really good marketing, like, and they really again they held off on showing Godzilla definitely. Okay, so those were our brief thoughts overall on uh, the franchise as a whole, the recent 2014 film by Gareth Edwards. And it's also nice hearing uh, Alan talk and splurge about uh, Godzilla, uh, the history of the franchise, all leading up to um, this new film from Mike Doherty. That's how you pronounce his last name? Yes, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Mike Doherty, right? Uh, he, directed, he directed Krampus, which I enjoyed. Uh, what else did he direct again? He directed. He he did direct Trick or Treat. He directed Krampus, and he also like plugged away to screenwriter for a few years. I know he wrote some of the X Men movies, like X Men. I believe he wrote X Men Two. I don't know about one. Um, I think he also had a hand in Superman Returns. Um, so he's been plugging away for a while. Um, but yeah, he was only directed before Godzilla two other movies, but two very good movies that I'm a fan of. Yeah. So um, I remembered when the first uh, San Diego Comic Con trailer dropped for. Uh, King of the Monsters. I was actually at uh, San Diego at the time, and we actually met up that weekend, and uh, we were geeking out over those trailers, yeah. And um, those tra- that trailer in particular blew my mind just the way they used like, the classic, uh, is it for Elise? I forget what that, um, that orchestral classic was, but the way they used that, uh, coupled with the incredible visuals of the monsters, you know, I, I particularly fell in love with that one epic shot of Mothra just spreading its wings. Oh, absolutely, like, because I remember... You know from that trailer? I was, yeah, I was at Comic-Con, like, the day... Yeah, I was there the day it dropped, um, but yeah, I remember I was in line, I was, like, watching my phone, the sun was in my eyes, I could barely see the screen, and I'm still watching it, like, tears in my eyes, because that trailer it was, was a bright so day. good, and I'm watching it, like, this is the movie I've been waiting years for, like, I can't believe this, this is insane, I can't believe how good everybody looks. Oh, yeah. And even, like, the shots of just certain um, actors, like, in that cast. Like, the cast is really full of, like, a bunch of great character actors, some that a lot of people know, others that are becoming rising stars. I mean, like, Millie Bobby Brown, obviously. I mean, I I made a lot of jokes with my sister, who's a big Stranger Things fan, telling her, hey, I found the trailer for season three, (laughs) and I just sent her the Godzilla trailer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is, it's hard not to make those funny connections, you know, given the nature of her character on that show how she has powers, and it made me think, like, oh, she could control Godzilla, maybe. How funny would that be? Yeah, definitely some strong, kick-ass marketing there, definitely. Absolutely, and um, the way that the marketing with the trailers came up even more, um, I love that last trailer that used Somewhere Over the Rainbow in the background. It just kind of plays into the splendor of, like, um, just seeing these giant monsters fight. Sure, there's a lot of destruction, obviously, and millions of people are probably dying as a result, but uh, just... It's so cool, like visually and everything else. Which now let's let's just talk about the film itself. Um, we're gonna try our hardest not to uh, spoil too much of the film. So this is a non-spoiler non-spoiler deal. Okay. Yeah. So overall, like overall, we're gonna kind of be vague. If we end up reaching that territory, I might just kind of give us a forewarning if you haven't seen the film yet. But really, I don't know if there's really much to spoil, like in regards to the elements of it, because you're coming in for the spectacle. So I just wanted to ask first. Yeah. It's funny because I mean. That's why I didn't even, didn't even mind being spoiled, quote-unquote spoiled beforehand. Because this really is the kind of thing, like, who the hell is coming in here for, like, oh, the intricate story? and the, Like, I don't even yeah. say that in a demeaning way, like, oh, you got to turn your brain off. But it's like, this is not a movie fueled on, here's the plot, here's A, B, and C. This is a movie fueled on spectacle and visuals and just pure 
kind of primal emotion. So I think to really say plot, it's like either know what the plot is or you don't really care. Right. So the movie takes place about five years after the events of the 2014 film. It actually begins with a flashback to the aftermath it of It does, which surprised film. me. I didn't realize it was going to open with that. I thought it was interesting. kind of reminded me... It was an interesting... I don't know if you've got this vibe. It kind of reminded me of the opening of uh, Batman v Superman. I knew it! Kind of like, I knew like, you were oh, going to say the perspective that. of the last movie from somebody else and how they lost somebody and they're mad about it. I'm like, huh. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty funny, especially knowing that this is also, like, I know Legendary is the main production behind it, but it's a Warner Brothers film, so that's kind of funny. And uh, it, it it takes us back five years later, and we see, uh, you know, this uh, family unit, you know, Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, and uh, Millie Bobby Brown. And uh, we kind of follow the drama that they have in their family amidst them dealing with, like, all the chaos uh, that um, Godzilla and all these other monsters are about to bring upon the Earth as a result. And um, monsters fight. So, yeah, like, let's, okay, I'll, let me start off by saying this. I've seen the film twice, and um, I'll admit, the very first time I saw the film, I was pretty, pretty underwhelmed, but I think partially that was because I was pretty exhausted when I saw it. I was kind of sleepy, you know, and although I caught my, my vision was caught by all the incredible visuals with the monsters and the battles and the scale of it. Uh, overall, I, I, f- I felt like the the writing part with the humans, I thought, honestly, then, I just thought, oh, this is kind of trash overall. But then I saw the movie again uh, last night, actually. I was a lot more awake, definitely. But uh, I will say, um, knowing that the film... Like uh, Alan has described to me, it's kind of similar to a lot of the other Godzilla films where the human element in terms of the story is not necessarily the, the strength of those other films. But uh, in terms of like the monster scale, I found myself enjoying that even more this time around and appreciating like the craftsmanship behind like uh, the spectacle, uh, the way the monsters fought each other in particular, and just the designs of each of those monsters. I mean, Godzilla we can gush about all day, but the design on King Ghidorah, on uh, Mothra and Rodan, I was awestruck by just the designs of those monsters, and just like the other characters, as they witnessed them, I felt that sense of awe from that as well. I just wanted, so that's, I guess you could say, I definitely enjoyed the movie more the second time I saw it. I still have major issues with some of the, with a lot of the human elements with the characters. Uh, which we'll get into in a bit. But um, overall, if you're going to go see it and you want to see giant monsters fight with the spectacle of it, go ahead, because I will say Mike Doherty and the team behind the scenes and crafting these set pieces, they knocked that out of the park. So, Alan, what did you think of King of the Monsters? Okay, people. And this is why I'm glad you're taking the lead so you can be the more objective guy here. Because, look, here's the thing, people. Like I said, I gave my, I gave my spiel at the beginning. I am born and bred Godzilla fan. To see this, like, and I got this vibe from the trailer, but to see this movie, I was watching it, and I'm like, I can't believe, like, it's kind of that weird, that's why I had to see it two times, because the first time, I'm just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this, like, it is, I'm not saying this is as good, but it's like, it's like when I saw the Avengers for the first time, just that level of, holy crap, this is the thing I've loved, this weird, silly thing that I've loved, I never thought anyone would be taking it this seriously, because we've had giant monster movies before, but to see one where it's all these classic monsters and handled with such love and such reverence, like, just brimming with just so much imagination. I'm like, I can't believe this. 
And look, I mean, as many people have pointed out, like, yeah, human stuff, whatever. And I think the human stuff and the story, I'll say, I think it works in the kind of elevated kind of arch way that most Godzilla movies do. We're like, yeah, this isn't the kind of movie where, you know, this is not a movie where actors come into like, oh, this is like, I'm going to like really like bring it on home and like, you know, like everybody plays these kind of arch characters and I think they do it well. And I think the human stuff and kind of the MacGuffin chasing, because there's a MacGuffin, I think yeah. it carries it enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, could it have been improved? Is it a little corny at times? Yes. But I think it moves things along. And I think, honestly, I think and this isn't me saying like, oh, it's just some big, dumb, like, turn your brain off movie. Because I think there is kind of emotionally and spiritually, there is like a very, there is a message to it. I think there is this kind of reverence and kind of spiritual essence to it there's an interesting philosophical element to the film that kind of plays into the conflict of the story itself that to an extent i found kind of interesting but um even on second viewing i still felt like especially in regards to certain of the main characters the motivations behind why the events are occurring and why they want to go through with it i I still found it kind of i was almost kind of giggling a, a bit just by how like, it's campy, definitely, and um, one can argue, and maybe in your case, that it was really trying to go for the camp there. Uh, I guess my issue in regards to um, why the human element kind of brings the movie just a little down for me, even though I still enjoyed it, is that the movie is a li- it's at 132 minutes, I believe, around that long. It's a little over two hours, yeah. I, I don't think a movie of this type needs to be more than 120 minutes max, personally, you know, be- especially with how they try to... Um, bring you in with like especially with Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown. I mean, I'll say this about the cast. I think they all do a competent job and I think they actually had a good time working with each other. You know, I could tell they were having a good ch- time because they knew they were making a big monster film. But uh in some cases, I I in many cases actually, I feel like a lot of the characters uh, they didn't really do much. They just give us some exposition about them. They don't show us some of the drama behind some of these characters. I, I mean, I get it. We're not here for the backstories or the, you know, like history of these characters for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We're here to see Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and all the other kaiju that he's about to fight. That's why we're there. That's why we're paying for our tickets. But I still kind of wish they showed us more, like, just the family interactions. I mean, they kind of show it a little bit given the history and why Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga are committed to what they're doing in the film. But I wanted more of that if I wanted an emotional element. I wanted more from Millie Bobby Brown, you know, who I thought did a good job too, but I wish they gave her more of a backstory that would have fleshed her out more. And also in regards to some of the other supporting characters, like I said, I don't think this is necessarily a bad performance. Maybe they're going for something that is a little funny. Are you bringing up? With the are you rest gonna of the bring tone. up my man? Are you gonna bring up my man? Bradley Whitford. Yeah, my man Bradley. Yeah, I mean, I love Bradley. I love Bradley Whitford, and I, especially on the first viewing, I didn't like him initially. I, I know he was going for a certain decision with his performance. Like he has a weird sardonic sense of humor. Uh, can I? Well, can I bring up something funny with his character? Well, first of all. I love Bradley in the movie, and I think it's funny because this is a movie where everybody's brought on board to take it, take this very silly stuff very seriously. It felt like Bradley didn't get the memo, so he's the one guy who's like talking shit and just cracking up the whole time, which I love. I mean, you need somebody to do that. Um, but I guess, and I guess the director confirmed this. Um, his name is a uh, Doctor Rick something, and he's like a white-haired, shit-talking scientist. And the director, like, very 
blatantly said, oh, yeah, yeah, I was referencing Rick and Morty with him. <laughs> he's, he's just Rick from Rick and Morty. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That's, that is that's hilarious. Awesome. Uh, that, that's cool. I mean, I think he adds a personality definitely to it. It's, it's just that everybody in a lot of ways is incredibly serious and straight when they're performing. Like, I think of... Uh, Ken Watanabe, my man, and uh, Sally Hawkins. Ken treats this stuff like it's Shakespeare, and God bless him for it. He did the same thing recently with, like, a few weeks back when he was on Detective Pikachu. He took it very seriously. Now, something funny about Pikachu, both Toho, both produced by Toho, which I didn't, I'd forgotten Toho was involved with uh, Detective Pikachu. Uh, Toho, for those who don't know, is the company who produces Godzilla and is involved with making Godzilla movies. Um, both Japanese properties... I thought it was funny how I guess both Pikachu and Godzilla decided to use um, Ken Watanabe as their token Asian, <laughs> uh, and he's good at it. So I don't blame him. But it is kind of like, oh, so you both used them for the same thing just to be the uh, the blatant Asian. Which... Well, they had another Asian in there. They had another uh, actor in there or actress. Yeah, but um, it's but what I like about him still is that he still gives it his all even in roles like this where it's so campy. And there is a particular scene involving Ken Watanabe that. It, you, you're either all the way with it and you just kind of give up and just enjoy it or you're not and I kind of gave up of taking everything too seriously because he really played it up I think you know which scene I'm talking about I it's, absolutely uh, do. he so, has one of the most memorable scenes in the movie and um, he, he has like a, a line of dialogue that just kind of plays to like you're either with us or you're not and at that point I was like you know what screw it like this is fun and I'm glad that and I appreciate Ken Watanabe is willing to put himself into any role and take it seriously you know, like, we always still remember him saying, let them fight. Which they referenced. His I thought it was voice. very funny. Yeah. They referenced that line. That was a great reference. I love what that. That was great. That. I, I chuckled at that um, part. But, um... Yeah. But, like, other other character actors... This movie's really full of a bunch of great character actors, you know? Cast. Yeah, Sally Hawkins is in here. I mean, a lot of Shape of Water vibes, obviously. It's kind of... You know, she did get it on with King Ghidorah and Mothra at that one scene, though. <laughs> no, no, of course not. You know, but like, uh, I mean, it's it's always fun seeing her in there. Uh, I love Sally Hawkins. Uh, even Thomas Middleditch, um, he plays a more straight character here rather than the comedic. I mean, he usually plays the straight comedic type in a lot of his stuff, like Silicon Valley. But um, it's it's fun seeing him in a role like this. Other actors here that I enjoy, like O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, Anthony Ramos. Uh, it's, it's a really nice collection of actors and actresses. Yeah. Yeah, Anthony Ramos, he was in A Star is Born. Uh, Alan and I know him for, as part of the original cast of Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So it's it's cool seeing him in this this role, you know. Same thing with O'Shea Jackson Jr., son of Ice Cube, obviously. I love that he's really showcased that, hey, I'm more than just my father's son. I'm actually a really unique talent in my own right. Look at me, I'm, I got it, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, I still have my issues in regards to the human element. I, uh, another actor, Charles Dance, Seeing him say, long live the king, and remembering him from Game of Thrones, it's, like, I was actually, when I watched this, uh, my sister's uh, boyfriend was next to me, and he, he watches Game of Thrones too, and when he appeared, he started giggling, because he was like, oh my goodness, it's, it's Tywin, it's, it was, it's pretty funny, it's, it's funny seeing him up there, you know, and um, he does a good, like, here's the funny thing, like, the material is so campy, definitely, but um, the, the actors, they're doing their best and they're having a good time. I, th I think they're genuinely having a good time shooting this camp. 
uh, of Godzilla. Like, some of them may be hamming, up, hamming it up a little bit, definitely, but I think in retrospect, although I, I still wish they did more with, like, the humans and gave a more compelling story there, because you can, yeah. and you could if you wanted to. I'm still underwhelmed on that element, but uh, they did okay overall, and really, let, let's gush about those monsters, because that's why we're talking about this movie, that's why, uh, if, you, if you're going to go see this movie, go watch it in IMAX, go get like a D-Box showing, or like Regal RPX, which just opened in my town, something like that, where it gives you the full, because really, it's like a theme park ride in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just to quickly say on the humans, like, just my little piece before we get to the monsters. I think, and again, I admit maybe my tolerance for the human stuff is pretty high considering how many Godzilla movies I've watched. Um, but no, to me, right. this is a really good example of actors. First of all, like I always say, when you're doing camp, you can't wink at the audience. If you want to do it right, you can't wink. I think this is a very good example of getting, you know, taking what is, it's goofy material and everybody's motivations <laughs> oh, and all schemes. It's goofy. Everybody is taking it very seriously. Like, aside from Bradley Whitford, who I love, nobody's winking. <laughs> Everybody is, like, playing their role. And it's like, again, these are very simple, very arch characters. But kind of the trick, and I remember I said this coming out of Skull Island, which we'll probably talk about later, um, was you get these actors, who, these very basic kind of arch characters, but you get these really good actors that give them life. Like, somebody who, like, the second they come on screen, you know they can do it. Like, oh, you need a distressed father figure? Uh, Kyle Chandler, because he's just our most reliable daddy at this point. And you need a kid who, like a young kid, but who's like, has got some agency and has their own screen presence, you get Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, you need a woman who is doing some morally duplicitous things, but you still buy her, Vera Farmiga. Like you said with Charles Dance, you need somebody to ham up as like an old, like evil British dude, Charles Dance is your man. Like everybody like plays their type. And again, Ken Watanabe, just, he's so good at like taking this so seriously. And again, not the greatest material, campy, you know, pretty straightforward material, but I think everybody in their way breathed life enough that, like, okay, when it's not just the monsters on screen, you buy it, and you're like, okay, I get where they're taking the plot. Uh, but yes, the best the best actors in the movie are the monsters, because oh, holy yes. crap. Man, like, for real, like, even, especially on that second viewing, because I saw it on the Dolby Atmos uh, theater. Uh, on the screen so it was like um wall the wall screens and the surround sound was as good as you can get yeah the, the sound design and um mixing and everything else makes you really feel like you are there with the humans as they are witnessing all of these monsters come alive and everything and uh in particular i just found like the way they introduced each of these big monsters like uh, mothra Rodan and King Ghidorah, like just the way we see them g come up on the big screen, I couldn't help but just get swept up in the scale. Oh, everybody know, gets it's like a, it's a, a primal hell of thing. An entrance. Like everybody, like every time a monster comes on screen, it's like, oh, this is my moment. We're gonna showcase just how cool and how big and how legitimately like scary and like and this is a word we throw around a lot, but legitimately awesome they are. Like there is this sense. It's funny. I've been thinking about this. I gotta wonder if somebody, whether it's Del Toro or somebody's looking at this movie and the way they approach the monsters, like, huh, I wonder if we can pull off a Cthulhu movie. Because this feels like, what, <laughs> what would happen if, like, you know, whenever we talk about, because they always say Cthulhu and Lovecraft, it's unadaptable, because how do you, like, how do you comprehend that? How do you sell that? And watch this. Well, you can like, definitely see the Lovecraftian influence on this movie. 
a lot of Lovecraftian, like, and the, when the monsters come on, like, they're legitimately, like, scary and awe-inspiring, and you feel small. You feel like you're on, like, the front line of seeing legitimate, like, you know, it's in the name, gods, just bouncing around. Yes. I love how they gave all three heads of King Ghidorah just their own personality in a lot yes, of ways. Yes, and there was motion, some performance capture involved. I forget the name of the actors who played the heads, but there were different actors for the heads. And, like, and that's the thing, aside from, like, just how big and badass they are, there's some great performance work just on these monsters. Like, Godzilla, I believe they brought back the guy who did the performance capture in the first movie, this guy named T.G. Storm, who's this tall dude who's done, like, a lot of, like, stunt and, you know, mocap work. Uh, and Godzilla's got this, like, real... Like, I always... I said this with the first movie, and even more so here. I love how tired Godzilla is. Like, you really get the sense that he's been at this for a long time. He's just this, like, old, tired... He's had enough of this shit. <laughs> he's, like, he's Danny Glover in Lethal yeah. Weapon. He's he's getting too old for this shit. But there's such this, like, weight <laughs> and, like, world weariness to the way he moves. and Not just in like, his body, but his face. And I love that. And Ghidorah, yeah, there's all this, like, you know, all the heads, like, have these different personalities. We're all, like, bickering with each other and, like, picking at each other. Like, hey, dude, we got to get your get your act together. And then Rodan and Mothra, like, everybody has got these little, like, bits of acting where it's not just, like, oh, big monsters fighting. There is legitimate performance and, like, personality in these things. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I just love, especially, like, uh, I didn't really pay much attention uh, the first viewing uh, when Rodan is introduced. But I'm seeing it on the second viewing, like seeing how Rodan, just the sleeping nature of how it's introduced and how he soars like in the sky amidst all the chaos. I was just blown away. Him, seeing him fly is just so like scary. It's it's like watching a rogue fighter jet just like beat the, sh- you know, just fly through the sky. It's legitimately scary. Although a friend did point out to me because this isn't a spoiler, but like he wakes up in like Mexico and uh, a friend right, of me right. was like, oh, of course the uh, the Mexican kaiju is like covered in fire and stuff. Of course they got like <laughs> the stereotypes. Um, but uh, no, that's super <laughs> Like he's bursting out. Everybody's, all the planes are just like running like right next to him and getting their asses kicked. I think it's legitimately like a frightening and fast scene. I mean, absolutely. Like it does give you a sense of like the, the chaos, the destruction. Uh, we see some of the extras, like some of the humans that are dealing with it the worst you know, and um, you could, they sell it. And there's, like, such a weight, like, when you see, and again, they do this in the movie, like, even the old movies, they did this, but with effects, they do this even more, where, like, when Rodan flies through the city, it's not just, oh, he flies, like, it's like a hurricane just comes through the town, and, like, people are lifted off of their, like, feet, and, like, buildings are coming down, just because this dude's overhead flying, like, again, there's such weight and tangibility to everybody, and how they move. Absolutely, like, just the, like, I really can't stress enough how much they knocked it out of the park in regards to um, everything involving the kaiju, the monsters, Godzilla himself. And uh, for real, like that final uh, 15 minutes, which is basically what you're coming to pay for, even as someone who's a bit of a novice Godzilla viewer, I just couldn't help but kind of get giddy just by the nature of watching, (laughs) just watching Godzilla kick all the ass that he can possibly kick. Well, again, it's, it's such a great, like, toy box of finale where it's like, okay, we have, again, we have all the toys, we're going to throw them on and just have them, like, haul ass at each other. And then, again, you see Godzilla going up against Ghidorah, you see Mothra going up against Rodan, everybody's flying and everything's blowing up, and uh, it's crazy, man. And again, it's not just, oh, it's cool because monsters are fighting. Like, there's, again, it's legitimately, like, awe-inspiring and scary and apocalyptic. Like, it's funny, um, that scene in... Uh, just go go back briefly. That scene in Mexico where well, okay, well I get I get okay, no spoilers. But there's a shot of Rodan. I mean, not Rodan. What what's Ghidorah? 
Um, yeah, Ghidorah. Like Ghidorah. Aside from Godzilla, Ghidorah is my favorite. Like I love the dude. He's like one of my favorites. Um, there's a shot of him like in his storm or like lights flashing, and it's this fr- like even like the actors in the scene are like like terrified, and it's this giant terrifying shot. And uh, you said this is a hard PG thirteen, right? This podcast. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Go Am ahead. I allowed one f bomb. Yes, you are allowed this once. Go ahead. I'm allowed Go this ahead. one. I don't even care. Uh, there's a shot of Ghidorah in that storm where he's just like full on like Cthulhu mood, like scary, just standing there. I like legitimately screamed out in the theater, "Holy fucking shit!" Like I couldn't believe it. Like, again, it's just one of those images where it's like, again, I love this stuff as a kid. I just never thought I'd see it on the screen looking that good. So it was just that moment of like, "Oh my god, they did it!" Man, like for real, like. Just to sum this all up in regards to King of the Monsters, which uh, we're going to move on to another discussion about this MonsterVerse franchise. If, if you're coming in and you're a Godzilla fanatic, there's a lot of fan service in this movie, and fan service can be uh, taken as a bad thing by some people. But I think in regards to this kind of film, it really embraces, as Alan points out, um, the tone and the spirit of a lot of those campium Godzilla films of the past. And the way it embraces that... I, I guess you could say that it wears its influence on its sleeve, especially during those sequences. And if you want to go see the film, definitely go... If you want to see it for the spectacle, try to go see it on the biggest screen possible with the best surround sound. If you have, like, a D-Box theater, if it's showing in some sort of, like, thing like that, this seems perfect for that. Um, definitely. Um, I guess just to give a little addendum on this, um, it's funny, and you talked about, like, all the references. I, obviously, I can't list references, but there's a lot... And it's jam-packed. Like, there's, like, deep-cut references where I'm like, I can't believe they got away with that. Like, that's just so weird to me. Um, I think what it comes down to, like, despite any problems the movie might have, and, you know, there are some, I think what it comes down to is, I think, for me, aside from Endgame, this really is, like, the most emotional experience I've had in the theater this year. Not because, like, oh, people are, it's sad and people are crying and I'm crying. Right. Which was the case for Endgame in our part, yeah, so... Yeah, like Endgame, you're talking like 11 years, all the story being built up, that's different. I was 12 years old when Iron Man came out, so yeah, it just felt so big. But uh, there's just something about this one where it's it's not just nostalgia, although yes, obviously I'm very nostalgic for it, but it's seeing this property that I love, this silly, niche, weird property taken so seriously, and it's like, it's it, it gets me, man. It, like, it really got me, and again, like I think of something like, Okay, well, we brought up the 98 movie, obviously, and, you know, it, it's almost cheating to bring up the 98 Godzilla because any movie looks good com- by comparison to that. But I think it's something like that, where that was so clearly, and you even read interviews with, like, Roland Emmerich and his team who were just like, yeah, we didn't really care much for the original Godzilla stuff. We just wanted to do our own thing. And you just watch that movie, and it shows. It's just, like, it's a check. It's just, okay, we got the name, and we're just going to do our thing and try to get some money off of it. And I even think of some recent stuff, like, again, I don't even, like, hate these movies. But I even think of stuff like recently, like Jurassic World, where, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of references and there's like callbacks. Right. But when I look at those movies, like, I don't feel the love. I don't feel the reverence. It just feels very, it feels crass and it feels cynical. Whereas I look at something like this. I agree. Yeah. I look at something like this, whatever problems it has, top to bottom, it is a pure label of love. This is something that is absolutely made by people who love this property like from mike doherty to you know the effects artist too and we haven't brought him up uh bear mccreary the music 
Bear McCreary oh, for yeah. me is the star of the movie because holy crap! I mean, not just the score in general is great. I think it's this big, like booming. It, you know, every scene has this like scale to it. Also, it uses the original theme as well. It uses the original Godzilla theme, and they bring back Mothra's song. If you they don't have the lyrics, but if you watch the movies, the fairies would sing a song and bring Mothra back, and they use the music. And both, like, both uses the music, again, like, for a Godzilla fan like myself, hearing that Godzilla theme again, that's like hearing the Star Wars or the Indiana Jones theme pumping back up. That's just, again, there's something very, like, visceral about hearing that on the big screen. That's just, yeah. can't be topped. And, uh, and everybody... With the modern technology and everything else, yeah, definitely. And all the monsters got their own distinct sound, like, just great music. Again, from the music, this is just top to bottom, a pure labor of love. Which is why I recognize that maybe to people outside of the Godzilla circle, maybe it doesn't have the greatest appeal because it's very much focused on, you know, its fans. Yeah, and also, like I said, I think it would benefit more if it just maxed out to just two hours, uh, 120 minutes maximum, you know, given the nature of the story. Because that extra 10 minutes and 12 minutes, I definitely felt it. And I still felt it on the second viewing. But uh, I'll give you that because even watching it, and I love the movie, but there's like, because again, like I said, the characters are very arch, the dialogue is very arch. For me, in a way, that works. But there were a lot of points where there'd be exposition or just character goals where it's like, I feel like you've told us this two, three times already. I feel like if we cut some of this out, you could have shaved like five, ten minutes. I definitely get that. I think you could have done a little nip-tuck as far as dialogue and exposition and stuff. Definitely exposition, because there is, I will say, a lot of people sitting around in rooms talking about, oh, this monster's from the thing and the place and the da-da-da-da, and this monster does the, and this monster's gonna do the thing thing. And, you know, it's very, I always like to say with blockbusters, it's kind of like the busy work. It's kind of like, oh, especially since there is a MacGuffin, they are chasing. There is a lot of, oh, we gotta yeah. get the thing to do the thing, and this thing's gonna call the thing. And, you know, that can get tiring. And it, that's the case with most blockbusters, but still. But, yeah, I, I do get that. Um, but, yeah, I just to put a little bow on my thoughts just you know again i can't give an objective opinion here uh this is the movie i really feel like i've been waiting to see since i was a kid and i think it's just pure just filled with love and reverence for its property and uh and again it just just made me so happy that even with its faults just the emotional experience it gave me i think overcomes any little quibbles i have Definitely in your case. That's that's great. So um, the thing with Godzilla King of the Monsters, it's actually the third entry in this um, franchise, the shared universe, if you will, that Legendary uh, established first with uh, the 2014 Godzilla, and then when Kong Skull Island was in development originally at Universal, Warner Brothers ended up picking it up with Legendary so they could cross this over eventually into a shared monster universe that will eventually lead up to the epic battle we've all been wanting to see, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, we didn't talk about uh, Kong Skull Island uh, when we were discussing Godzilla movies, but um, I'll say this, I actually enjoyed Kong Skull Island. I like uh, how it, em- it was a period piece during the Vietnam War, how it embraced that. Uh, and, I mean, that cast is insane. I still can't believe how stacked that cast is, you know? Great cast, and um, it's, it's very much an ensemble. And... Uh, the way they brought Kong to life, I'm a big King Kong fan. I uh, love the original uh, 1933 classic. And uh, I even enjoy uh, Peter Jackson's uh, remake, even though it's, l- it's too long. No love, for the, uh, no love for the 70s remake? Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. I don't remember I wouldn't it that, go back. Well. that well. I wouldn't go back. I would not go back. Uh, really? <laughs> I wouldn't go back. But yeah, yeah, I like, watched that when I was a kid, and even I was like, what the hell is this? 
if you're a kid you and you Jeff feel Bridges that way. get stomped on by King Kong, but other than that, I wouldn't go back. <laughs> Imagine if they got Jeff Bridges in one of these movies again. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. But like, uh, so legendary. They're trying to establish the shared nature of it, and in fact, there's a lot of uh, explicit references to Skull Island and Kong in Godzilla versus King. I mean, Godzilla King of the Monsters. There's a lot of references. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's it's cool, and uh, they do it in a way that if you're not really following this heavy like me or Alan were in the development period, uh, some audience members might be caught by surprise when they see Kong in there and go like, oh wow, they're gonna fight probably, you know, and it's gonna happen in March, and um, they just finished filming it, I believe, or they're either filming it still or they're in post production. I think they uh, just who- recently finished filming. I think Adam a- Wingard, the director. Yeah, it's Adam Wingard. Stuff like yeah, you're next, and the guest who I love. He did recently post pictures saying they had wrapped, so I think, and again, there might be reshoots or whatever, but I think for the most part, that movie's in the can. Yeah, without getting into too much about how Godzilla King of the Monsters ends, uh, there is some carryover cast from that film that will appear in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, and um, regardless of my mixed feelings in regards to the human element of really all of these movies, you know, I think I enjoy the human element most in uh, Kong Skull Island, partially because I think that cast is just charming, you know, and... They really do a good job in there. Uh, even with my skepticism about the human element, I come on. It's Godzilla versus Kong. How, yeah. how, what more can you want? Yeah, it's I'm very. It's gonna be a great rematch because again they have fought before. Um, but I'm very. It's it's gonna be interesting because a little bit of backstory for those who don't know. Uh, the original King Kong versus Godzilla, 1962. If I'm remembering my years correctly, uh, it was only Godzilla's third movie. Uh, there was Godzilla, there was Godzilla Raids Again, and then King Kong vs. Godzilla. Of course, King Kong by that point had been around for like nearly 30 years, so he's like the big ticket. He's the guy everybody loves. Godzilla was kind of like an underdog, like kind of an underdog heel at the time. Like Japan, like, oh, we're going to use Godzilla because he's a guy. But he was kind of like, again, he was the heel. So now, as anybody who's seen these recent Godzilla movies has pointed out, Godzilla is no longer the underdog. He is... No, he definitely has home court advantage. Definitely home advantage, um, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, to see like he, he's now Kong's he's definitely the warriors to the King Kong's. Uh, yeah, to King Kong's Toronto Raptors. So, but yeah, Kong uh, Kong's definitely more the underdog right now. Here. But like we all wondered because Godzilla is larger than life, literally like gigantic. Like he's how many stories tall? And Kong, although they made him much bigger now compared to like previous iterations, including Peter Jackson's take on Kong. I'm still curious to see how they battle because apparently there's going to be a definitive winner in this because uh, the tagline from what I saw from a promo image that was released recently said, one will fall. So one of these two gigantic monsters is going to fall to the other. And I think Las Vegas odds, it's probably going to be Godzilla winning just based off what we've seen. But, you know, it, it could surprise us. Um, well, you know, it's funny. Like, I know they... It could definitely surprise us. Whenever these kind of these fight movies, they always like to say, oh, one's going to win, one's going to lose. Again, without spoiling, um, without spoiling King of the Monsters, there is a credit scene, after credit scene that shows a little bit more going on. Um, no, this is gonna be no. I can retell. This is gonna be a Batman v Superman thing. We're gonna fight for a bit, but there's gonna be some other thing that comes at the end that they have to like team up. Cause like, there's no way Toho certainly ain't gonna let Godzilla lose, and I don't think they're gonna let King Kong lose. I think again, it's like it's like how it is in comics with superheroes. Like, who's gonna who win? Who would win? whoever the writers feel convenient at the time or like or maybe they it's just a stalemate um so you know but i think there's definitely some carryover from king of the monsters plot wise uh again without spoilers that should be interesting um 
But uh, but yeah, just give me that wrestling match. Just give me those two going at it. And uh, even though I love King of the Monsters, I will say I'd like to see Godzilla and Kong fight in daylight because in King of the Monsters and the 14 Godzilla, there's a lot of... Oh, yeah, time. yeah. We're in rain. We're in snow. And it's, it works very well. I could stand with some daylight fighting. I'll say that much. Yeah, uh, the the nighttime fights, which is basically all the fights in this movie for the most part, uh, they're still incredible to look at, and they're actually not that hard to follow. Like, they do a good job. I mean, all the monsters are glowing, so that helps. And the use of blue especially is very striking to see on the big screen. But seeing them fight in the daytime would be, definitely be ideal. I'm not opposed to seeing them fight in the night. But what if they give us a battle that starts like in the afternoon, which is still sun out, and then it leads to the night? Maybe you can go all the way there. You know, if you wanted to get the best of both worlds in the case of uh, two monsters fighting each other. But for real, though, like, I'm definitely hyped to see Godzilla vs. Kong. You know, Adam Wingard's a promising filmmaker. And I think having him and his sensibilities behind the camera uh, with Godzilla vs. Kong will definitely add a lot of credibility to the storytelling. Hopefully, they, they improve on the human element. I really hope they do, you know, because... Uh, if the human element was improved more on my end, to be fair, I'm not a big Godzilla fan because I just haven't seen all the movies yet. I probably um, give this movie a higher recommendation overall. You know, I, I still think that you could definitely still improve on the writing and make something more worthwhile than just do great with the monsters, which they did. But I hope they improve upon that or have improved upon that with um, Godzilla vs. Kong. So that was our podcast on uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, definitely enjoyed um, checking it out and discussing it with Alan. You know, and for real, like Alan, you are definitely the biggest Godzilla fan I know. And uh, you should send me or just send me a recommendation list on like the viewing order I should do in regards to some of those classic Godzilla films. Because one of these days I'd like to dive in, especially when Godzilla vs. Kong comes out. Yeah, there's definitely like, and again, it's hard to, you know, it, you know, there's everybody's got their favorites. I think... It's definitely possible because there's different eras and different tones. I think there's definitely, you could do a little bit of an a la carte, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, just different tastes and flavors of Godzilla to recommend. Um, and uh, and again, it is, it's funny to look back. It is, I think, Godzilla, even though everybody knows Godzilla, ultimately it is this very weird, specific niche thing, um, as the box office will show you, um, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, which is, that was a bit surprising. It's such a stacked summer. Like every, literally every week, like it's gonna be crazy busy. Ever since Endgame dropped, uh, the theaters and I work at a theater by the way. Uh, it's it's been pretty busy. And seeing like uh, even like big blockbusters that I thought would be bigger than they were, I thought I honestly thought Pikachu was gonna be much bigger than it ended up being. I mean, it's doing well, you know. But uh, I mean, Aladdin's doing pretty well still. Uh, John Wick is doing was doing pretty well from its opening weekend mainly. Uh, and Rocket Man just came out. That will probably have legs. But then, of course, this week we have Dark Phoenix. You know, Toy Story 4 is going to come out in a few weeks. Oh, man, what a stacked summer, ain't it? Pretty crazy. And, yeah, and I could see why Godzilla could get lost in the shuffle. Um, but, yeah, um, it's, again, it's funny to recommend, you know, it's hard to, like, get somebody who is sort of a novice to really get into Godzilla because it is, again, this silly niche thing. Um, but I definitely think, you know, I would hope King of the Monsters uh, can... Maybe, you know, if, if you were a fan of the movie, uh, maybe, you know, definitely go back and check out some of those. Because, again, I think this movie's definitely a giant love letter to all that. And I think the passion is definitely there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for critics who think that there's no passion, at least in regards to the craftsmanship of the 
of the set pieces and the monsters themselves. I think they're just they're just looking too much into like that element, which I believe is a problem with the humans because you can't you can't deny the craftsmanship with the VFX artists and the designs and the fights. Like, come on, you have to appreciate that at least, even if you weren't the biggest fan of the film. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla was never a big thing in the States, unfortunately. It, it never really resonated that greatly with the States as much as other franchises have. And again, it's weird, because, like, again, everybody knows Godzilla, but, like, Godzilla itself, the property, is, you know, it's not the most accessible thing. Right. I will say, though, I don't think it's going to be that big of an impact on Godzilla vs. Kong, because I think even people who haven't seen this or, like, Kong Skull Island will still be curious to see, oh, whoa, Godzilla vs. Kong? Giant, two of the biggest monsters of all time in cinematic history? I mean, I think that's going to be a very big film still yeah i think that i think that movie's gonna be fine like king of the monsters like honestly for somebody like me who loves this stuff like the marketing oh my god Ghidorah, rodan mothra is everybody who i love joe schmo doesn't care about Ghidorah. Yes. joe schmo doesn't know who these are they don't even know who any of these they'll just say oh that's a cool looking creature i might go see that that's kind of like what most mainstream audiences would be like you know yeah so yeah king of the monsters you know maybe like seeing those guys doesn't have much appeal but people know kong People know Godzilla, and even if you're not following the overarching story, just the idea of those two fighting, I think, has enough appeal to, like, you know, get people in. So I think Godzilla versus Kong's going to be fine. Now, what happens afterwards? I'm curious, because I'm curious if Toho re-ups their deal with Warner Brothers, or if they're like, you know what, I think we had a good run, but I think we're going to go go back to making our own uh, Godzilla movies over in Japan. And, uh, I don't know, I guess it depends how Kong does. Um... Look, I'll say this could be the last Godzilla movie. Uh, yeah, I'll just say this could be the last like Godzilla movie, and then we get Godzilla vs. Kong, and then it's back to Japan. This could be it, and I'd be fine, because they gave me everything I would have wanted. So it's like, you know what, man? You gotta go out. You gave me the movie I've waited to see forever. So um, I'm definitely curious to see what happens next. And of course, I'm very excited to see those two go at it again. Kong better be packing heat, though, because he is screwed. I have a feeling that the first trailer... Yeah, the first trailer for the film is probably going to drop at Comic-Con this year again. Since the movie comes out in March, I think that would be a perfect time to drop the first trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. That'll be right around. Yeah, that'll be the right time, right around Comic-Con, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Warner Brothers is going to have a crazy panel this year, to say the least, based off of like probably Godzilla vs. Kong, but also a bunch of the DC stuff. I mean, Robert Pattinson. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The, the, the Pattinson movie. And that's a podcast for another time. For another time. But um, if you wanted to get our, our quick thoughts on that casting, I think it's a, an amazing casting. And fans should calm down. Oh, definitely, yeah. It, shut up. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. yeah, come on. I mean, he, the man's proven himself. The man's proven himself. And, you know, he just needs to add some muscle, which will be easy for him with trainers and everything else. But he is an incredible talent, and I can't wait to see what he brings to the cowl. So that was our talk on Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Before we go, I wanted to ask Alan, you are a cartoonist. Uh, what would you like to plug? You're an artist yourself. You actually have some art that you put out there on Instagram. What is your Instagram handle? And just discuss your passion for um, drawing. Uh, yes, I am a cartoonist, a uh, try-hard cartoonist, I guess you could call. 
Um, you can find me on my main thing is Instagram, uh, just because the other two, Facebook and Twitter, exhaust me. But I am on there just for technicality's sake. But uh, on all accounts, it's Alan Gun Art, A L A N G U N N. If you want the spelling, Art. Uh, again, Instagram's the main thing. Uh, yeah, I try to post as consistently as possible, just drawings and stuff, you know, little doodles. I'm trying to, you know, in some time, uh, yeah, especially with school ending, I was a little burnt out, but I'm trying to get back more into some of the things. I just like, you know, doing little doodles and trying to push myself a little bit more, so if that sounds like your thing, there's a lot of Godzilla, if you want to know. If you want to see me, just, yeah. you know, I put out little gags and I try to just, you know, if you want to see me try to get better, then follow me along. But yeah, Instagram's the main thing, but I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, if you are so curious. Yeah, you did a you did a doodle for Booksmart, with, which both of us saw recently. You did a doodle on, on Booksmart, which we both recommend definitely. That's a great coming of age high school comedy. Yes, Booksmart. I did a little drawing of that. Uh, we both saw it the same day, the same night actually. Uh, so good, so good. Olivia Wilde just really did a great job with it. I love. Yeah, it. I saw that with uh, three of my old high school friends. We saw. I saw it with my high school friends, a few of them, and um, we all got flashbacks to high school, which was just five years ago. So it was great. We definitely recommend both Booksmart and Godzilla if you want to go check those out on the big screen at some point. So um, that was Alan. You could find him on Alan Gunn Art. Gunn with two N's, you know, just like James Gunn, who I'm pretty sure is actually your father. Europe. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell him to give me some info on a Suicide Squad 2 or Guardians 3? <laughs> tell uh, your dad. I can say that I'm in him. I, uh, I, I currently have that role yeah. of Adam Warlock locked, so uh, look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty great. But Well, thank you, Alan, for appearing on this. I really appreciate your insight into the history of Godzilla. You know, I'm pretty sure like a lot of people got a chance to tune in learned a lot about the history and hopefully they'll be inspired to check out some of the older films um but no yeah uh thank you for having me and uh thank you for letting me monologue about godzilla for a little bit uh and i hope you know i hope i was able to shed you know a little bit of insight on godzilla and if again i hope whoever's listening if you want to dive deep into godzilla there's plenty to get into and i hope this kind of sparked your curiosity but again thank you for having me on dude it's been a blast yeah, so that was Alan Gunn, and this is Noah Villaverde, host of the Blank Green Canvas podcast. Thank you for listening to this third episode, and join me again next week when I am joined by a few friends of mine, to be determined, by the way, to discuss Dark Phoenix and the X-Men franchise, where it has been, where it is now, and the future of it now that Disney has acquired the rights, thanks to the Fox acquisition. Thank you very much for listening, and I will be back with you next week on the Blank Green Canvas podcast.